Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 everyone's a kid at christmas time a holly jolly kid at christmas time everyone from me It is that time of year again. All right. So uh, for the next uh, 20 odd days, we'll be playing a lot of Christmas music here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Before I go any further, though, uh, put the microphone in front of you, Heidi. Got to join me. Got to join me. This is her her last day today. She's mo- she's moving on. Hey, hold on, Ro- Robert. Chris. Yep. Both, yes. of, both of you are on the, uh, the the phone with me right now. I want to take a moment for you guys to be able to say goodbye to Heidi. Today is her last day. She is uh, moving on to a new gig that she's going to be uh, to be doing. And, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate her time here today, a little later here at the station. So uh, here's your opportunity to say bye. Well, Heidi, we love you. Yeah, Heidi has been an integral part of the Dave Ellswick show for a long time now. We are going to miss her uh, desperately, uh, and I'm not sure how well you'll be able to uh, fill in, get someone to fill in for her, but uh, we'll manage, but barely so, I suspect. Well, I, I, here's the key about Heidi, and I don't, I don't talk about it enough. I, I tell her, I tell my people who work with me that you're doing good jobs. I don't hold back on that, and she's done a fantastic job. But here's the key, all right? Uh, in this business, things change rapidly. Uh, this may not be, you know, when we start talking today, whatever the story is we talk about may change before we even finish talking about that story. <laughs> and Heidi uh, is uh, listening and she's paying attention to what's going on in the world. And she'll grab stuff for me and things of that nature that keeps me up to date. So, Heidi, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for your hard work here. Oh, thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been fun, y'all, but now it's uh, it's time to move on to uh, other things and, and life. And so I've, I've really appreciated my uh, my time here at uh, The Answer and Salem. So, so thank you, Dave. A, you get to go, do a job that's a little bit normal. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> because let me tell you, radio is Abby normal. It really definitely is sure. that. All right, so I'll have more to say about this as we go along today. But thanks again, Heidi. I wanted everybody from the very beginning of the show to know that uh, this is your last day. Nine minutes after six. Hey, guys, uh, McConnell came out yesterday, went after the new uh, uh, minority leader in the House and had some interesting things to say about election deniers and uh, said, uh, don't just be pointing your finger over at the at the Republicans. Here's what he had to say from the well yesterday. I'll get back to it. No, I, I'll get back to it. Technical difficulties. Look, I was watching Fox News yesterday, and they had technical difficulties. So I don't feel so bad when we have a few here. All right, so, Robert, over the weekend, 
Uh, you were writing another article about uh, an issue that I have come to love you about writing, and that is uh, what good is it to help people uh, go to school by lowering uh, the requirements that they have to meet to get into school is after they get out of school, they can't get a gig. Yeah, well, this all, this all goes to this discussion that we've been having for a long time, Dave, about affirmative action. That's what the lefties call it, mind you. It's, uh, in, it's publicly acknowledged and accepted discrimination uh, is a better way to phrase it. Affirmative action started out in the 60s, uh, and President Johnson famously said, well, you know, you can't take somebody who's at the back of the line and put them at the front and expect them to win the race. They need a little help. And the phrase was developed that they need a little thumb on the scale. Uh If you have a balance scale, you put a little thumb, well, it's a little bit extra, a few grains of salt on that balance scale, and that was all well and good. But that very quickly turned into race-based quotas, and the thumb turned into a cinder block. Uh, And we started saying, well, we need this certain number of minorities here and this certain number of minorities there. And uh, then in the 70s, in the Bakke case, Supreme Court said, well, you can't have quotas. Uh, You can do something else, but you can't have quotas. So then uh, in hiring and in um, admissions, uh, public entities just changed the terminology. See, what we're going to do, they said, is we're going to have holistic hiring and holistic admissions. You know what that means? Quotas. Quotas. Mm. That's what it means. Uh, And they uh, do the same thing. So instead of 13%, African-American, it's between 10 and 15 percent. Well, that's a distinction without a difference now, isn't it? Uh, And this is what the left has been doing. And they built up this race hucksterism industry, the diversity, equity and inclusion that doesn't include anybody that they don't like, any minority that they haven't privileged. Uh, And there's an article in the New York Times today, for example, that talks about how Asians are being discriminated against. That's his lawsuit that's before the Supreme Court as we speak uh, in admissions because they have super high scores, uh, excellent backgrounds in terms of uh, extracurricular activities. But they are, quote, too Asian. You see, they play the uh, violin and they, they play chess and all of these uh, laudable efforts uh, are considered too Asian and so they're discriminated against and the article by the way also references the fact this is exactly what happened to the Jews in the in the 1920s uh, and 30s and 40s and they said well you know we got enough Jews we don't need too many Jews and they came up with all of these uh, sort of ways of of keeping Jews out Uh, even though they were scoring higher than the average population. And they're doing exactly the same thing now to the Asians. And the underlying problem, Dave, is, and I'll end with this thought, is when you do hiring and when you do admissions, it's what we call zero sum. There's one, two, or three spots open. And once you fill them, there ain't no more. So, So, well, it's not that we're discriminating against Asians. We're just preferencing other people, say African-Americans. Well, once you fill one, two, or three spots with African-Americans, and if they don't have the same scores as the Asians, if they have lower scores, guess what you've done? You've discriminated against the Asians, and they ain't gotten the spots. When we just did hiring at the law school, we hired for an open general position at the law school. Five of the six applicants that the committee 
brought in for the faculty to uh, evaluate. We don't get to look at anybody else. Only those six candidates, five of the six were minority. Dave, the only way that can happen randomly, uh, the, st the statistical odds of that happening randomly is one out of over a million. Meaning it was totally geared to hiring a minority. That was the number one priority. That's not how you pick quality. That's the problem going on throughout America today. Yeah, you, you don't, you know, I heard Harvard and Yale and all of the big muckety-mucks at the top that everybody says are the greatest universities in America uh, in, in their editions uh, for, uh, what is it they call, amicus briefs or whatever that they, right. that they add right. to well, Supreme Court cases. Yeah, yeah. They, they put in, and here's what they basically said. I'm going to say it in layman's language. You know mm -hmm. what? If if we put in the people who, under merit, should be left into our school, we can't get in any minorities, and that's not fair to the minorities. That doesn't sound fair to me at all to the people who have worked hard to uh, be at the top of the food chain when it comes to educational issues. Well, that's exactly right, Dave. That is, uh, uh, th they say, well, if we actually do it based on fairness. We can't get the rainbow that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know what, Dave? When I go to a doctor, when I go to a lawyer, when I go to anybody with a professional degree or a college degree to get their skills, to hire them for an accountant, to hire them for their skills, I don't care what the color of their skin is. I don't care what their plumbing is. I care whether they're the best available person to do the job. And as we've discussed on your show, the Dave Ellswick Show, before, I did a study that showed here at, this, at my law school that the bar failure rate for blacks for a significant period of time was double, Dave, double that of whites. It's not because they're black. It's because we've admitted people who are mismatched with the school. We've admitted people not based on merit, but based on skin color. It's not all, by the way, it's not all admittees. It's on average, on average. Right. And then you got all these kids that go out and borrow money so they can go to school at the law school, and they get through the law school, and then they go take the bar. And guess what? Now it comes back to bite them in the butt that they were let in, and they can't pass the bar. That's 100% correct, Dave. I heard someone once say, well, we, we're taking a chance, you see, on these uh, 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 students who come in with low metrics. Excuse me. We're not taking any chances. I get my, my government paycheck every two weeks, Dave. No chances taken here. Who's taking the chances? The guy that takes out the loans to pay my government paycheck. And that guy isn't off for a refund when he fails the bar exam because some lefty is, quote, doing him a favor, end quote. Yeah. Well, Chris, let me bring you in on this, and uh, I'll let you have the uh, final say here in this segment. And that is, uh, you know, these are kids that are going into debt big time, and uh, it seems like to me that we're not doing them any favors. Right. Well, it's been a social experiment, Dave. And so in, in layman's terms, <clears throat> what they did is this isn't racist. It's only one of the factors we use in letting these students into school. 
it's it's out of out of twenty factors, their the race based admission is only a small percentage, and therefore it's not racist. But it's out it's outrageous to me that they can say that because if you make a decision based on race, it's racist. And yeah, I mean that's to, that's like saying, well, you know. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, what's the director out there uh, that did Jungle Fever and, and whatnot uh, that dealt with Spike you, Lee. Yeah, Spike Lee. You know, you're really black because you're really black, black in the, in the color, but oh, you're yeah. not black if you're light black, and 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 that sounds like what they're doing here. They're splitting hairs. Well, it's yeah. even worse if I can interject for a second. Yeah. Because yeah. today it's one of, say, 20 factors, as Chris pointed out. But then if you use statistics, what's called a regression analysis, meaning if you look at what's controlling, race is the dominant factor. Uh, overwhelmingly, like it's something like this. If, if you have the scores uh, uh, that, are, that on average you let in minorities with and you're white, you only they only let in one out of 20 whites with those scores but if you have the same scores and you're a minority you, you have like a 90 percent chance of getting in don't tell me race is not the dispositive factor well i agree that, that's it that's it on the on the head right there david when you look at the actual results of it it's based on race all right guys Hold on. We're going to take a break. We come back. I want you to hear what McConnell had to say about, uh, you know, the, the, the left always saying it's uh, the Republicans that are the election deniers. Hey, Mitch McConnell yesterday didn't hold back. And uh, we'll let you hear what he had to say from the well of the Senate. Don't forget about uh, East End Towing. East End Towing letting you know they know what they need to do to get you out of the situation you find yourself in. It may be with your car, maybe your car and you're pulling a boat, it's your car and you're pulling a camper, it may be a truck, and you may be driving your camper. Any of those things they can handle if you happen to you know, end up on the right side on the shoulder of the road and you need a tow truck. All you have to do is call them, they'll take good care of you. They'll get you to where you want your uh mode of transportation to get to to get it fixed so that you can get back onto the road. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. So yesterday, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell broadsided his Democratic House counterpart, uh, and that would be uh, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries, as an election denier for previously questioning former President Donald Trump's 2016 win amid claims of Russian interference. And here's what McConnell had to say. One of the big unfortunate ironies of the past several years, many of the same individuals and institutions on the political left who spent the years 2017 through 2020 yelling about the importance of norms and institutions have themselves not hesitated to undermine our institutions when they're unhappy with a given outcome. Just as an example, the newly elected incoming leader of House Democrats is a past election denier who basically said the 2016 election was, quote, illegitimate. 
and suggested that we had a, quote, fake president. He's also mounted reckless attacks on our independent judiciary and said that justices he didn't like have, quote, zero legitimacy. Unfortunately, when it comes to attacking our independent judiciary, the Democrats' new leader isn't an outlier. He's a representative sample. In the last few years, we've seen my counterpart, the Senate Democratic leader, threaten sitting justices by name over on the Supreme Court steps. We've seen President Biden and Attorney General Garland refuse to enforce federal law and put a stop to illegal harassment campaigns at the homes of justices. And we've seen coordinated efforts by Democrats and the media to use smear campaign to personally punish judges whose legal reasoning they don't like. The latest target has been Justice Alito, whose great offense was overruling a deeply flawed precedent that prominent liberal legal scholars, including even the late Justice Ginsburg herself, long acknowledged was badly written and poorly reasoned. I'm confident the smear campaigns and baseless fishing expeditions will keep groping around. And I'm just as confident that Justices Alito, Thomas, and the entire court will continue to ignore the noise and the smears and practice judicial independence. All right. So that was McConnell yesterday. Uh, I'll tell you what, the left hates it when you play stuff like that because you bring the facts forth and, uh, you know, they crawl back under their their rocks and uh, hide their faces. And they should. They should be embarrassed by uh, what a lot of them have said over the last, uh, you know, well, for a long, long time. Let's just put it that way. I always think it's uh, important for people to look at the Democrats. And typically, you know, they forget that when you point the finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back. Whatever they're saying that the Republicans are doing wrong, it's because they're doing exactly what they're saying that the Republicans are doing wrong. And I'm glad that, you know, I wish we had, <laughs> we'd use somebody else as a little bit better orator to say those things. But. McConnell, being the minority leader in the Senate, was exactly right. Are, are you glad that he, he brings these kind of things up? Uh, let's start with you, Chris, on this. I, oh, my gosh, absolutely, Dave. Well, uh, people forget this whole conversation about the Electoral College started when um, Biden supposedly um, had the, uh, oh, no, who was Trump? I can't remember Trump's opponent. Uh, Clinton, Hillary, yeah. Who was that? That girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, they, they brought it up that she got the popular vote. So, they, so the Democrats were him and Hall said, this is the illegal vote. Um, we shouldn't even have the Electoral College. And the basis of the Electoral College is so that California doesn't get to choose our president and Arkansas doesn't get a say in it. They, they've debated this. The Democrats were pushing to get rid of the Electoral College, which would upend the entire election process as a as a republic here in the United States. So it, I love it when Senator Hatch brings that stuff out. So look yeah. what they've done here, and um, it's fantastic. They had I've, I've seen the clips where they were in the in the halls of Congress there, stating that it was an illegitimate election. 
Oh, yeah. Exactly what was being said when Biden won. Well, Hillary has done that. And I got one minute before we got to be to the news. Uh, Robert, your take on this. Well, it's uh, largely the same as Chris's in that the left are hypocrites. They project their own failings and accuse Republicans of doing the very acts that they're doing. Right. Hillary's the one that started with election denial right after she lost the election and all Russian interference, which has now distinctly been disproved. You don't hear anybody talking about that from the left because it was it was a lie from the get-go and they're hypocrites they call conservatives election deniers when they literally started the election denial yep and we've all lived with it ever since all right when we come back we're going to get both of our uh, guests on this morning and of course uh Law professor Robert Steinbeck, uh, he is, uh, it's his opinions are his and his alone. He'll be back with us, as with Chris Corbett, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you as we uh, continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show on a Friday. 25 minutes left to go here in this first hour. And it may take us this last uh, 25 minutes uh, to get to where we want to go uh, before we get into the next hour Article today, Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Again, my guest uh, with me uh, is uh, Chris Corbett, a, uh, uh, a lawyer out of Conway. He is a fifth-generation Arkansan, as well as Robert Steinbach, who is a law professor at the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone and do not re- necessarily reflect the school of law or the university to which it belongs and who is also a practicing attorney. And guys, there is an article about you you here in uh, uh, Arkansas today uh, in the, the local paper talking about what you're trying to do about gun rights. So, uh, Chris, why don't you start off by talking about why they did this story. Yeah, sure. Um, so we're getting a little traction in the press because we're making some waves about judges not enforcing the law. So Robert and I practice in circuit court all the time. We, we show the judge the plain language of the law. And as of right now, we're 0 for 3. Um, and the, 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 law, the law we're talking about is... That, gun rights. Yeah, in gun rights. You guys have carry. the right to, to carry That's inside right. the courtroom. That's right. So um, I'm not opposed to to licensing individuals to concealed handgun. But here's what happens, Dave. You give the government an inch, and they take a mile. They said, okay, so we acquiesced, um, a lot of the gun rights owners, and, and there's still some folks on the hard right that are open carry. I can carry my gun anywhere, but... Okay, there's a, there's a being rational. Okay, you're you're qualified with a handgun. You can carry it, and we want you to carry it concealed. Well, then they started slapping up these signs everywhere. The government, the city hall, the county, and the state. We've got lawsuits against each each entity. Uh, they start slapping up signs that basically create law-abiding citizens with the license that paid their money. Now they're committing a criminal, criminal act by simply carrying a concealed handgun, for example, into a, a DMV office or to go pay your 
your property taxes. You can't go into the DFNA office um, at the county to pay your property taxes because you've got a concealed carry. Now, here's the fact, Dave, and for your audience, it's concealed. You can't see it. People are losing their minds. People, they're afraid for, for, a, for a citizen to carry a gun. And um, the fact is it's concealed. And Rob and I started reading these laws. We're giving presentations on the Concealed Handgun Act. And um, we both kind of looked at each other and said, hey, that sign's not right. Let's do something about it. So that's what we did. And it's funny, the, the pushback we're getting. I say it's funny. It's not really funny. So you tell the judge, hey, well, if you don't want to enforce this law, and this law is important, passed by the legislature, then what other laws are not important? What other laws are you not enforcing? No, FOIA laws think, probably aren't important. Oh, man. You know, we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we litigate those a lot, too. So. Yeah, and, and that's the key to this whole thing that you all have gotten involved in, uh, Robert, is you can't just uh, pick and choose what laws you're going to enforce, you're supposed to enforce. In fact, I would say a judge, when they take their oath, uh, say that they're going to enforce all laws, don't they? Well, of course. That's the job of a judge. You see, these judges run for election. And they're, and they're supposed to be the umpires. They're supposed to say, when people come in with a dispute, uh, either it's a strike uh, or it's a foul um, or it's a good uh, you know, hit, whatever. You know, I don't know too much about sports. But the point is that they're supposed to just call the law for the, for the winning side. But they don't do that. The lefties here in Alaska County bring in their own politics. And they don't like guns guns, they say, well, that law doesn't apply where it clearly applies. Dave, there's a statute that allows those with a concealed carry license and enhanced license to carry firearms in City Hall. City Hall refuses to allow those people in with a gun. There's a different statute that allows attorneys to carry guns in the courthouse, uh, and it says specifically officers of the court. Uh, and they say, well, that's not what the term means, even though you've watched television for the last 50 years and have heard that term over and over again. And in fact, Judge Tim Fox repeatedly used that term uh, regarding uh, attorneys, me and Chris and opposing counsel in a case we recently had. It's, there's no question that officers of the court means attorneys. But this is the kind of verbal gymnastics that the left does all to avoid an outcome that they personally don't like. And guess what? They should have run for legislature if they wanted to affect what the laws say. Judges' jobs are not to rewrite the law. Judges' jobs are to apply the law. Yet the lefties don't do that particularly well. Well, the the uh, the judges are supposed, are supposed to take somebody's, quote, law and break it on the 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 rock of truth. What what is out there that you know necessitates whether that law is a law that is to be enforced or is against our constitutional rights? It seems to me they're the ones supposed to be breaking it on truth, not denying truth. Well, of course that's right, and yet, uh, and that's why we continue to fight. We have a, a lawsuit against City Hall. We just amended that lawsuit to make it a class action 
That means we're going to represent everybody with gun rights who want to come into City Hall. Um, uh, we have a, a case against Pulaski County Courthouse. We just amended that one to represent all attorneys who want to come into Pulaski County Courthouse. We just filed one against the Saline County uh, Courthouse. Uh, we've got one against Game and Fish because, uh, oddly enough, at the gun range, they say no guns allowed in the office. No guns allowed. Just leave them outside. Anybody can take them, but just leave them outside because we live in the Soviet Republic of Game and Fish and inside the building, we in charge. By the way, all the folks working in the building, they're carrying guns. Right. You can't carry a gun. They can carry guns. <clears throat> okay, so how far have we gotten now in this particular, these particular laws? Are we making headway? Well, we've got a, a concurring opinion uh, from a Supreme Court justice here in Arkansas who says this is uh, a shame what's going on in terms of this, this was the city of Little Rock case. He goes, we got bumped out of that case on procedural reasons. Uh, so we refiled and we're doing a new case. Uh, but he said it's ridiculous that people with gun rights have to wait so long to have them enforced uh, by a court. And he also pointed out that notwithstanding the claims of the city that somehow they live as an island outside the laws created by the legislature, he, uh, the justice, says, no, the city has to comply with the laws written by the legislature. And cities are functions of state government action. We brought you into this world, and we can take you back out. So what? what's your feeling on this, Chris? Is it you're going to win, but... They're just going to run the clock for as long as they can. Oh yeah, they they get in there and they're they, they feel confident in their positions, Dave. It's 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 wild to me that we go in there and the look on these judges' faces are like, uh, yeah, I'm going to buy opposing counsel's argument here. And we just kind of go, really? I say, how are you going to? What words are you going to use to make the law say something that doesn't say? And it, it just, it stuns me. It basically, it rattles my faith in the judicial system. And um, Rob hit it on the head. You want to be a legislator, then, then go run for office. But when you run for office of a judge, then you need to enforce the law. They don't need, we don't need to ask your opinion about whether you like the law or not. Here's the law, enforce it. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing. We're fighting it. And, and yeah, we got calling that little procedural tripwire there. We want to get in City Hall, but we've we've uh, amended our complaint, refiled it, made it a class action. I, I got a dog, I got a bone here, Dave, and I'm I'm going to get it. I'm, I've got this bone, and I'm going to keep carrying it. So that's yeah. what we're doing. And if you grab the bone, we'll bite your hand when you when you grab the bone. <laughs> All right. So that's just right. just keep that keep that in mind. And it's not just about. I'm just telling everybody, it's not just about guns. I can. Uh, I mentioned FOIA before as a prime example yeah. of this, of judges who will not enforce the law about FOIA because right. somewhere along the line they don't think it's important. Well, they, yeah, they, well in that, go ahead. you know that Sorry. Tim Fox was a defendant himself personally in a FOIA lawsuit years ago, uh, and a well-known uh, case now is precedent uh, for, because he failed to turn over records that he was required to turn over. And he's the same guy who is interpreting the FOIA when people go and dispute uh, what government entities are doing uh, on the FOIA. And Dave, on the 
gun lawsuits, I will po- I will point out that we have a new lawsuit, relatively new lawsuit, against Arkansas State University, uh, where they have a big sign up. By the way, their sign doesn't even comply with the law, meaning they put up a sign that says no weapons allowed. If they were allowed to put up a sign, the statute tells them how to write it, and they didn't follow that. But this, but they're not allowed to put up a sign keeping out enhanced concealed carry licensees, yet they have a blanket sign keeping everyone out. That's against the law. To be, be defending ASU, it's the Attorney General's office. Leslie Roller just picked up that case. I'm surprised they didn't decline that case. And they now have dumped this steaming pile of dog poo-poo on the lap of our incoming Attorney General, Tim Griffin. So let's see what Tim's going to do with this case. All right. We'll be back. we got to get a break in. When we come back, there was a uh, case decided by the Arkansas Supreme Court that we're going to talk about. That's an important case, and it has to do with how much money do the attorneys get in, uh, like, a civil suit or whatever, dealing with, with cities and things of that nature. We'll talk about it when we come back. I'll let these guys explain it to you as we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about P.I. Roofing. P.I. Roofing and Home Solutions, they'll now take care of... Uh, construction projects that you have around your home that the major uh, construction groups don't want to deal with because just not big enough you know they're small like your deck or whatever maybe you want to you know i don't know build an area where you can uh, dry out your pool towels or whatever and you want somebody else to build it instead of you and so you do uh, you want to find somebody well now Go to PI Roofing because they'll do those kind of construction projects. They'll get in and repair the damages that were done to your walls or to your ceilings because you had a leak in your roof that they fixed for you uh, as well. PI Roofing's been known for roofing for over 20 years. Now they're getting to be known for how well they do construction as well. Just reach them, same place you reach them to get your roof taken care of. You call them, 501-707-3115. 501-707-3115. Or visit them online, piroofing.com. Back with you. Here you go, guys. Uh, we all, I always have you on because i I got to have the lawyers on to wade through some of the stuff that we run into. The Arkansas Supreme Court ruled yesterday that attorneys are not authorized to receive payment in an illegal extraction lawsuit brought against multiple state agencies calling into question the future of filing accountability lawsuits against the state. The state's highest court reversed a circuit court decision that required the Arkansas Department of Transportation to pay more than $18 million in attorney fees to the law firm of Denton and Zachary. The fees were uh, related to a lawsuit filed earlier this year by a group of taxpayers who successfully challenged the agency's spending on two major road uh, construction projects. Also included in the lawsuit are the Arkansas State Highway Commission, Governor Asa Hutchinson, the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration, the State Auditor, and the State Treasurer. On cross-appeal, the High Court also affirmed the Circuit Court's denial of the law firm's motion for contempt against the Department of Transportation. Okay. 
That's a whole lot of uh, word salad to me. Let me turn it over to you. We'll start with you this time, uh, uh, Robert. What did that just say? <laughs> so illegal exaction uh, is a type of lawsuit that any citizen can bring if the government misspends money. If there's an author- authorization to spend money one way and some government entity spends it a different way because it's our money, not their money, regardless of what they keep telling you. Uh, and uh, by the way, I'll say as an aside, this case resulted in that awful ballot initiative that barely passed, uh, basically making the Department of Transportation a standalone entity, and it's just a crime. But put that aside for a moment. So these folks at Denton and Zachary, these good attorneys at Denton and Zachary, filed this lawsuit and say that the Department of Transportation illegally spent $18 million because they weren't allowed to spend it on a particular highway project. The law was very clear. And they won. They won. And the Department of Transportation had to pay back basically the general fund for money that it shouldn't have been spending on this improper activity. Thereafter, the attorney said, pursuant to the law, we're entitled to attorney's fees. And they were granted $18 million because it was a percentage of the hundred and something million dollars that they recovered for the people of Arkansas from the Department of Transportation that illegally spent it. Uh, These attorneys uh, were granted $18 million. Well, sure enough, the Department of Transportation doesn't want to pay that because they're a bunch of bureaucrats. They get paid their salaries whether or not they're doing illegal activity. Uh, and But they don't want the attorneys who won this case to get paid. So the trial court awards $18 million. Well, the Supreme Court says, nope, can't do it, can't do it. And it, the Supreme Court took a very narrow interpretation of what the law uh, would permit, uh, an interpretation that I don't agree with, an interpretation written by uh, Justice uh, uh, Chief Justice Dan Kemp. And by the way, Dan Kemp is no conservative. Dan Kemp... Uh, someone said this to me recently, who, who knows a lot about how the Supreme Court operates. Mind you, I suspect, or at least I posit that I do as well. Um, and he said, oh, Dan Kemp's no conservative. Absolutely not. And this is why we need to return to uh, uh, races that are denominated by, uh, in other words, non-part- to eliminate nonpartisan races for judges. They should be partisan races just like everything else. Judges are liberals or conservatives, Republicans or Democrats, and they should say so. Well, the, um, only, reason, anyway, the only reason the Democrats don't want a D or an R up right in front of them is because right now, if you had a D in front of you, you wouldn't get elected. That's right. And I don't think Dan Kemp could win a, um, a, a primary, in a Republican primary. So I think he would wind up with a D because he couldn't get an R. Uh, and so I think it's unfortunate that now we have a, a legal system where you can force government entities to pay back illegally spent money, but the attorneys doing the forcing can't get paid, so they have no financial incentive to pursue those lawsuits. Okay. That's what's going on. All right. So how do you feel about this, Chris? Oh, Dave, I've been waiting for this opinion coming out. I'm reading it right now. I'm 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 pissed off, Dave. This is outrageous. Um, They hang the hat on that no money was refunded to the taxpayers. It only forced the highway department to move money around in the budget. Therefore, no attorney's fees because no refund was issued. Man, this is crazy. 
I'll give you one, and they, they discussed it at length in here. How about the Lakeview case that was that um, uh, Pulaski County has got a billion dollars from the other seventy-four counties in the state. Those attorneys in the Lakeview case, which was a lawsuit about discrimination, right? Um, in Pulaski County, about uh, desperate or uh, unequal benefits in education. Those attorneys have earned millions of dollars off a lawsuit against the state, and guess what? There's no money returned to anybody. The money just moved around in the state based on education. This is, it's crazy. I'm trying to digest it, Dave, but uh, I, I'm just beside myself that that all of a sudden they've made up this exemption here um, about how they're not going to be awarded any attorney's fees simply because it's the state and the amount of money that is at stake. That's what's going on here. It's $18 million. Now, is that reasonable? I don't know. Well, they're saying zero. They're saying no, it's not reasonable. Um, I, and here's and here, let me flip it around for you. Um, I had a client years ago that attorney's fees were awarded um, on the other side, and I reviewed every appeal, every Supreme Court opinion reversing attorney's fees and I'm telling you, 95% of them, attorney's fees awarded at the trial court level were not reversed because here's what the justices said. We weren't there at the trial. We don't know what was said. It is in the discretion of the circuit court to make that determination. Therefore, we're not going to review it. Opinion affirmed. Now, all of a sudden, because of the amount of money that's at stake and because the state is a defendant, uh, they're, they've reversed $18 million awarded by the trial court. So basically, they said that Judge Chip Welch has abused his discretion, and we're going to, the Supreme Court, we're going to step in and reverse this. All right. I'm stunned, Dave. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. We're going to take this up in the future again and, and be yeah. able to talk to it uh, for more time. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Go Woke, Go Broke. That's coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. hits for Christmas, all right? Is that not the guy that used to do the old song, Shaving Cream? 
shaving cream do what you you know that it's that, the huh? same guy who did grandma got run over by a reindeer you know they're doing the top 100 christmas songs on sirius radio and i'm i'm betting in the top five grandma got run over by a reindeer is in there a lot of people hate that song, but man, I'll tell you what, if you listen to radio for any length of time, you're going to hear it just the way it is. All right, back with uh, Robert uh, Steinbach and, of course, Chris uh, Corbett as we uh, get into this last uh, hour of a Friday show uh, here with them. Of course, I'll be back at 9 o'clock. We're going to have folks on dealing with the uh, the Sugar Plum Fairy and everything at the Nutcracker. We're going to talk about how long that's been going on, why has it become so successful, because it is a very successful show uh, here in uh, in Arkansas. We'll talk about that. And then we'll finish up, uh, you know, uh, Matt can't make it today, Matt Smith from over at Riverdale 10, but... Uh, I can talk about some of the movies that are coming out this weekend. In fact, I went and saw one of the new ones uh, that are going to be out this weekend, and that is Violent Night. All right, Violent Night with David Harbour as Santa Claus, who shows up at a house in the middle of a kidnapping and decides to get involved. (laughs) And Chris, you're going to love this. This movie is a cross between Home Alone and, uh, uh, you know, well, Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Oh, this, I want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's crazy. I really enjoyed it last night. I will warn people though. This is not yeah, for, will, this, this is not for your kids. Is it like a little Pulp Fiction kind of? Uh, uh, well, it, let's just put it this way: there's more killings in this movie than there were in the Halloween movies. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> and they're more vi- and they're more vicious at that. So anyway, really? just just okay. know that bloodshed is bloodshed in this movie. But David Harbor <laughs> is just great as Santa Claus. He really is. Right. And and, it, it, and you got to walk a fine line when you're writing a script. I'll have to get Mike Pellegrini, Mark Pellegrini, on to talk about this. How you write. A, an homage to uh, Home Alone and Die Hard and all of those uh-huh. movies that happen during Christmas time, and oh, and and have hard. and have some real heart to it to make you love yeah. the holiday. Yeah, it's a well. Die, Die Hard is a great Christmas movie, in my humble opinion. Well, that, <laughs> that's an ongoing discussion about that movie. Is it a Christmas movie or isn't it? I think it is a Christmas movie, but you'll you go see this one. You're you're gonna love it. You'll like it too, Steinbach, because you like black comedy like I do. Let's go today. That's a good one. I'll go see it again, man. You guys go see it. Let me know. I'll try to make it. We'll all go see it again. Because I let me just put it this way: people thought I was weird because I'm sitting there in the movie theater last night, and it was about a third full. And I'm the only one laughing at times. I've been that dude. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I'm cracking up because there, there's these jokes that people are like, what is he finding funny about that? Anyway, what can I say? All right, so uh, Robert Steinbach is here. He, of course, is a uh, law professor, Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. He's also a practicing attorney here in Arkansas, as is Chris Corbett, who lives in uh, Conway. Uh, both uh, Chris and Robert uh, work together to protect uh, our gun laws here in the state of Arkansas and other things as well. All right, ESG. 
ESG. That stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And uh, some different uh, companies have gotten very, very deep into this. In other words, they will not spend money uh, of uh, their clients with companies they feel do not take care of the environment, do not care take care of the social fabric or governance uh, here in the country. Now, somebody like Arthur Brooks, I'm sure both of you are aware of who Arthur Brooks is, uh, from the American Enterprise Institute, uh, was, he was on Squawk Box yesterday. And I want to play a little a piece that he was talking about going woke and going broke and, you know, Iger coming into Disney here, uh, taking over for the former CEO, and he said he wished they'd never got involved in uh, that whole uh, political deal with Florida. Uh, Here's what Arthur Brooks had to say about all of this. We're having a Fox moment. (laughs) I'll give you something to think about in the moment. Well, go ahead. This ESG. Yeah. uh, I was stunned to learn that Google um, these data centers, they use, are you ready for this number? 6.3 billion gallons of water during 2021 to cool the data centers. Wow. Isn't there another way they can do it without using, you know, water? I don't know, man. That right up my alley, being a civil engineer. Um, these data centers produce a lot of heat. These are where, this is where Google stores all their data, right? Amazon has the same thing going on. I remember, I remember well when uh, California had uh, these. Um, they were fine, and the cities were fine, and people were sprinkling their yard. Okay, you're going to use a hundred gallons to sprinkle your yard. Make sure your yard's green, and now compare that to Google using six point three billion gallons of water in a year. Six point three billion with a B, Dave. So I, it's so funny to me these woke left environmentalists hammering individuals and their use of water but yet these huge corporations are getting the pass it's the way it always works man it okay. always works he who has the gold rules right <laughs> yeah yeah now uh, i don't know i don't know anything about um cooling systems for data centers what i do know a lot about is the cooling systems for um, our nuclear power plant in Russellville. Okay, how much water do they use? You know, uh, on that, they've got a lake right next to it, um, and they're recycling a lot of it. It's not exposed to any sort of contamination, but I don't. I want to know. I got to get my hands deep in this, uh, or my mind deep in this amount of water used by Google. I, I would thought it. I would have thought it was. You know, refrigeration systems keeping these data centers cool. I, I didn't know they were, were pouring water over some sort of over servers. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But uh, I'm stunned by the, the, the gallons of water. So this ESG, how does that fit into this? Well, here's what's place? going on. You've got places, and right now the people, the place, in, or the business that's being talked about um, the most is BlackRock, and Black BlackRock will not uh, go in and, and work with certain organizations if they meet meet or do not meet their ESG standards. One of those uh, types of products is guns. They won't uh, give any money to gun, gun manufacturers and things of that nature. So several states now have uh, 
And I, I know that Arkansas is one, Florida is one, Missouri is another, and there's a, one other that I can think of and more coming aboard all the time are saying, hey, look, we're not work, worried about this ESG stuff. We're worried about can you get us the highest return on the amount of money that we're giving to you to return to us so that we can use that return to do the things that we need to do as a state. And uh, Florida yesterday announced that they are removing $300 million from uh, uh, BlackRock. Now, look, $300 million to BlackRock is uh, spitting in a bucket, to be honest, okay? They, they've got uh, trillions of dollars of money uh, that they're, they're using. But places, people are getting upset that they're only working with companies that meet their particular view of the world. And uh, Arthur Brooks talked about this from American Enterprise uh, Institute yesterday on Squawk Box, and here's what he had to say. Two sides, despite your efforts, they're getting they're further. They're getting further apart. I look at what they were talking about on the view. <laughs> <laughs> on the view yesterday, and I look at some of the interviews I did yesterday. We are so far apart on how we view the world, uh, Arthur. It, is this Twitter's fault in the first place? Well, hey, Joe, I can just imagine you coming home from Squawk Box and just turning on the view because that's how you like to spend the middle of your day, right? Yeah, you've Have seen a Clockwork punch. Orange. Yeah, yeah. strap the guy in and hold over. No, I, I couldn't. Uh, it'd be worse than I, I, can't, I can't. I couldn't. I wouldn't. I would never. You know, the truth is what you're talking about here is just another example of the fact that activists are trying to bully companies, trying to bully citizens, trying to basically bring all of us into their culture war. And it's time for us to stand up. You know, I've talked about this now for the past six months because I've seen it increasingly. And, the, and I travel around. I talk to CEOs all the time. And one of the things that we need to tell CEOs they're really not aware of, for example, at this point, and ordinary citizens as well. I mean, look, all the best CEOs in America are watching us right now. Three percent of your employees are activists instead of working. And they're blowing up your Slack channel right now, demanding that you get involved in the culture war and make political statements. Don't do it. The rest of your employees are feeling bullied as well. Their co-workers are being bullied by these activists. It's time for us to say, I will not be conscripted into America's culture war. We're going to make good products. We're going to help people. We're going to lift each other up. And by the way, we don't hate each other in this country. I got the data, Joe. 93% of Americans say they hate how divided we become as a country. That other 7% who doesn't hate it, those are the activists saying if you buy a, if you buy a, a, a Tesla, it means that somehow you believe in hate speech. It's completely absurd, and it's total bullying. All right. So that was Arthur Brooks talking about don't get involved with that. And that's what, uh, uh, you know, Iger said to Disney in that memo that he sent out to his his people. We're, we're not going to get involved in politics anymore. That's not that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do what we're supposed to do, which is make, you know, movies that are entertaining. Uh, we're not going to do more strange world cartoons like just came out last week that cost us $180 million. And we're now going to lose $100 million on it because we're trying to change the world. No, we're not going to try to change the world. We're just going to entertain the world. And... Uh, I think more companies need to pay attention to this. Would you agree with that uh, as far as uh, what uh, is going on with uh, what Arthur Brooks is saying here, Robert? 
<clears throat> Indeed, look, entertainment companies make money by selling entertainment. And if people aren't entertained because they're receiving woke messaging rather than entertainment, they're not going to buy the product. And so Disney has to decide whether they are political propagandists or entertainers. And political propagandists don't particularly make a lot of money generally, but entertainers uh, often, but not always, do. So uh, it's a sound business decision to sell entertainment. With that said, it's their business and their stockholders determine what's going on. That's right. If they want to make stupid decisions, let them make stupid decisions and the stockholders' value will go down. And all of a sudden they'll decide, wait a second, we're going to vote uh, for a different board of directors because this board of directors isn't hiring the people that need to be hired to make us money. And this not- is what we see across the country, right? Starbucks president goes out and uses Starbucks for his political agendas. We see it in public education, by the way, higher education in particular. <clears throat> Often you'll hear this, uh, the dean of University of Pennsylvania Law School did something like, well, so-and-so's statements don't conform with the values of the law school. Values of the law school? Who developed those values? The dean? It's really remarkable how when you have some bureau hack telling you the values of a public institution, they remarkably overlap with the personal political preferences of that bureaucrat. Because I don't know what the the values of, for example, my law school are. I know that my values are, are for equality of opportunity, for taking in the best students and producing the best lawyers. Those are my values. Are they reflected in what some political bureaucrat decides the values of the entity are? We're going to find out, I guess. Yep. I think we are. We'll talk more about this when we return. It's the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Don't forget about our great friends at ICU uh, uh, Protection. I uh, I am one of their uh, clients. I have my home protected by ICU Protection. I've got the window sensors. I've got the cameras. I've got, I've got it, okay? I'm not going to tell you everything I got. I'm not going to talk to criminals right now. Might be. Never know. And the bottom line is, uh, you know, crime is up uh, here in central Arkansas. Murders are up here in central Arkansas. You want to be able to protect your family? Go with the, the, the company who protects Nuke One out there in Russellville. If they can do a nuke reactor and protect it and keep it safe, they can sure take care of what's going on in your house or in your small business. So talk to Billy Mack about this. Call him at 501-205-1333. Now, don't be fooled. If you call some of the other ones, here's what's going to happen. They're going to come out and they're going to say, you need this many window and door sensors. You need this many cameras, blah, 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 blah. And then after you decide, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds good. Then they say, well, uh, here's what it costs you per month. But before we can even get it started, you got to pay for all of that equipment, and uh, that's going to cost you 500 bucks. You need to write us a check right now, or we're not going to put the equipment in. That's not the way ICU does it. ICU puts that equipment in, it becomes yours, and it doesn't cost you a dime. We had uh, you know Billy Mack on, and he said uh, some of the average customers that he has, it's going to be four years before uh, he's going to make any money. And you got to make money to stay in business. So he's he's doing it right. 
because he's got all these people that are sitting out there, and he took a little bit of a loss to start off with, and now he's making money, and he's doing well. So you call Billy Mack. Get them to set it up your uh, security for your uh, home or your business. 501-205-1333. That's ICU Protection. You call them. They'll take good care of you. So I want to come back to this topic that we uh, have broached, and we've got about three minutes here, so let's, uh, let's talk a little further about this. Again, we're talking about ESG. Now, for the average American, this is not even on their radar screen. They don't, they don't have right. a clue probably what I'm even talking about. It stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And what it is is that companies like BlackRock, and you might not even know as you listen to me who BlackRock is. BlackRock is a large firm that takes money from uh, their clients and invests that money to give them uh, the best return that they can get uh, so that that uh, that money uh, comes back with uh, the money that they need to, to the states or whatever to run their states, and uh, several states now are saying, "Look, we're not caring about ESG. We don't care about the com- uh, the companies that you're talking about are environmental, social, and governance uh, important. Uh, we want the best returns that we can get." BlackRock says, eh, well, yeah, but we can give you a good return with, you know, not going with, uh, let's say, uh, Sig Sauer or somebody like that. And uh, the the states are saying, no, you don't understand. Go ahead and put your, our money into Sig Sauer. That's going to give us a better uh, return. So they're sitting at now. The states are starting to say, look, we're not going to give you all of our money because we're not going to make as much money back as we want to because you're not investing our money properly. And several states are starting to do this, and it's starting to gain steam. And, uh, you know, see, uh, BlackRock say, no, 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 it's not costing you that much money. I just think it's the wrong way to do business. I mean, you can do business that way, but BlackRock, I wonder what the people who invest in BlackRock think. When they start seeing states pulling millions upon millions of dollars uh, out of uh, investments with uh, BlackRock, your your thoughts on this, Robert? Well, that's it. You know, it's uh, these investment companies, just like Disney, have to decide who they're serving, what their goals are, and the customer ultimately decides whether he, she, they, government entity, or otherwise. Is going to partake in this business, uh, and if you're not making money, guess what? People start to pay attention, and they then become concerned about your woke leftism. So, yeah, these are the things that happen. Yeah, I and I agree. All right, so if you guys will hold your place, pour yourself another cup of coffee. We'll be back in just a moment. We got to get to uh, Bill O'Reilly here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and when we come back. Uh, Macron uh, from France and the president met yesterday's state dinner and something came up that really made me wonder about what Zelensky might be saying when America says, you know, yeah, we're going to meet with uh, uh, the guy over in Russia and we'll try to figure out how to get a peace talk going. We'll talk about it when we come back. Hey, don't forget, if you're looking for a very good 
health plan, health insurance. Look no further than Pat Davis uh, with your health plan, man. They got a powerful team for you. You know, you got Pat, son, his son-in-law, and and others who are very well versed in the healthcare industry, and they will put together a custom-built health plan for you. That's uh, important for you because it only takes care of you. Now, if it includes your family as well, it will include your family uh, also. But if it's just for you, you want to make sure that the health plan is going to take care of the necessities of what you are facing in your life. For instance, if you're 25 years old and you're a guy, you probably don't need, you know, maternity leave or, or whatever in your uh, your your uh, health care. Uh, these are private health plans that pay you to go to the doctor and are available all year round. And bottom line, they cut out the middlemen. That's right, the middlemen, so that when you pay for, you know, your procedures and things of that nature, if you don't use all the money, that money doesn't come back to the insurance company. It comes back to you. Call and talk to Pat Davis about this. Uh, Call or text him, in fact, at 501-605-6935. That's 501-605-6935. That's your health plan man. And you can visit him online at yourhealthplanman.com. All right, Robert Steinbach with us, and, of course, Chris Corbett. Robert is a uh, law professor over at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. And uh, Chris uh, is a practicing attorney here in uh, Arkansas. Okay, so yesterday at the White House, uh, the French president, Macron, was there, and uh, he and, and Biden had a state dinner, and they met for three hours, and they came out, and they had a joint press conference, and there was something that was talked about that I found out to be, well, I found very interesting. Let me uh, go through some different companies that reported on it, and uh, one of the issues they picked up on and see what you guys think about this said Biden and French President Emmanuel Macron erected a mostly unified front at the White House after a three hour meeting punctuated by an abundance of photos showing the 80 year old American leader and his 44 year old counterpart in various displays of friendship Uh, during the first state visit he's hosted as president Biden said during a joint press conference with Macron that he would be willing to talk to President Vladimir Putin if the Russian leader expressed a desire to end the war with Ukraine. Biden made clear any such talks would require NATO consultation. Biden has previously said that Ukraine which through President uh, Zelensky has outlined tough demands for any potential accord with Russia would not be undercut by the West. Biden, who on uh, Thursday called Putin sick and has previously called him a killer, has argued the goal is for Ukraine to win against Russia. After nine months of war and painful energy and economic sacrifice descending on Europe this winter, Macron has been a persistent advocate for a negotiated diplomatic agreement with Russia, although the contours of such a deal, given Putin's stated goals and aims and wartime tactics, are murky. Quote, I'm prepared, if he's willing to talk, to find out what he's willing to do, Biden said. 
but I'll only do it in consultation with my NATO allies. I'm not going to do it on my own. Biden condemned Putin's uh, grasping ambition. Uh, During an interview with CBS, Macron said the war has uh, only uh, one viable exit ramp. Quote, the only way to find a solution would be through negotiations. I don't see a military option on the ground. And then the, the, the article goes on. Here's my question. I want to ask this of both of you. I want you to be uh, Zelensky here, the president of Ukraine. Ukraine feels that they're winning the ground war right now. They don't want to give up any of their land. They don't want some kind of negotiated settlement where five years from now you're back on the battlefield again. But both of these gentlemen from these two countries, and make no doubt about it, both countries are helping the Ukraine right now, are saying, uh, basically, we're kind of tired of this. We want to get out of it. We want a negotiated settlement, and uh, they're going to put they're going to put pressure on Zelensky uh, to go through on on that settlement. I don't know if I want to be Zelensky right now. Let me ask you. Start off with you, uh, uh, um, Mr. Corbett. What do you think? Yep. It's a tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, they're fighting a so-called superpower here. i got to say, too, anytime I hear Macron, all I think about is those little French cookies, macaronis, <laughs> or whatever you call them. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Soft on, by the way. And thinking about. So, yeah. soft, on, soft on the middle, hard on the outside, but soft in the middle. Yeah. Do you think he brought some to the White House? Probably I so. To, I, need to, I, need, I need to know. <laughs> um, anyways, um, you know, we have to be careful because uh, if this if, if Ukraine was a NATO member, we might be in a world war right now, right? That's right. I mean, it, people, people, you got, you got to know your history. And I wasn't a history major, but history is important because it does repeat itself. Um, for example, I was watching a, I don't know, it was a 70s or it was an 80s show. And the, the guy came out in this 80s suit. Uh, yeah, that's what people are looking like today. These sunglasses, I mean, the styles have returned from the 80s. Um, and in saying that, the, the history could repeat itself here. We've got to be careful. Uh, Zelensky wants all of this country. He didn't want the big boys, French and, and the United States, to be putting pressure on him to just settle. If he just settles, he's taking a beating. He's already taking a beating. They're already uncovering mass graves where they ran these uh, uh, Russian soldiers out of, out of these uh, cities that they took over. This is a bad deal. He needs to fight to the end. He needs to get everything back. All right. Let's turn it over to Robert. Robert, what? how, how do you see this? I mean, th- this has got a lot of places to play out at. Yeah, I, I never have a problem uh, with communication. So I don't have a problem if Biden uh, wants to talk with Putin. But obviously... Uh, he shouldn't be imposing a resolution on Ukraine and Zelensky. So that's kind of where I draw these limits. And the Democrats have this penchant for trying to impose uh, their chosen resolution on other countries. So I'd be cautious, but I don't oppose it. Okay, yeah. I mean, if I'm Zelensky, what I'm hearing is this. All right, the president of the United States wants to talk to Putin. The president of France wants to talk to Putin. Then they both want to talk to NATO. 
Then they both want to talk to me, and it seems like to me they're going to bring something to me and probably say something to th- th- this way. Hey, you know, we'll keep pumping uh, in the necessary arms that you need, but we can uh, we can find a, a broker a deal here. What are you willing to get up and give up? And by the way, if you get where you're at the point that you're not giving up enough, we just hold back the arms that you need to win in the battlefield. That's kind of how I feel this is turning out. Ooh, Dave. Ooh, I tell you what else is going to be thrown in there. If they're going to, if they're going to like settle this thing, then war crimes against Russia is be taken off the table. Oh, it, they will be taken off the table. I can't ima- imagine that me. Putin will allow another Nuremberg or something. Exactly. Well, I tell you, I've explored. Um, I've got Russian friends and and Ukrainian friends. I've talked to them. Said, "Hey, what's going on? Have you got have you got um, any friends in Ukraine that had their house destroyed? Why don't we file suit in the court of Hague? I know this is a long shot. I'm stepping way out of my bailiwick here, but the Russian government has assets in the United States, and if they bombed somebody's house in Ukraine and that." person died, maimed, um, has family in the United States, why couldn't that person bring some sort of uh, uh, lawsuit against Russia for the destruction of their property? I, I mean, it's just, they just opened there and started bombing. Yeah, I can only this, I can only imagine the, the billions, if the not farmers. trillions of dollars yeah. of damages that have been done. Oh, man, they're going to take, it's going to take decades to recover. All right, and so we're going to settle it. So, Robert, was was I right, Robert? My take on this: it's going to be these two superpowers talk talk to uh, uh, you know Putin, and then they talk to you know NATO, and then you turn around and now you talk to Zelensky over in Ukraine, and it's, it sounds like to me that he's going to be taken behind a closed door somewhere, and they're going to yeah. say it's this way or the highway, bud. Well, I don't know. Right, that's the point. Is we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it could turn out like Chamberlain did before World War II and gave away uh, Czechoslovakia to the Nazis, even though Chamberlain was the Prime Minister of England and he had no authority uh, to do so. Uh, and and that's known as the worst example of appeasement in modern history, which resulted in the empowerment of Hitler. So it could be that. Uh, or it simply could be a conversation. I don't know what will transpire. Yeah, I just know if I was Zelensky and I was, the, you know, I was uh, had been talking to the superpowers and saying, you know, we need your help, and then they say, yeah, okay, but you know what, we're getting tired of this now, so we're going to talk to the guy who's been bombing you and who invaded you, and then we're going to talk and see if he's willing to talk about a deal. Then we'll talk about this amongst ourselves, and then. We'll talk to you. I would sure feel nervous. I mean, that's just how I how I feel about it. I I'd, I'd feel nervous about all of this. All right, we'll come back. We'll finish it up today here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show for Friday with Robert Steinbach and uh, Chris Corbett. We've had a lot of great uh, uh, information uh, out there to to share with you today and then a a lot of great news stories that we've looked at and that we've talked about. Stick with us. we still got one more to go here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
Back with you. Okay, guys, let's talk uh, student loan debt right now. And the president wanting to pay student loan uh, debt off uh, using uh, taxpayer money. Uh, The Supreme Court announced it will expedite the review of the legality of Biden's federal student loan debt cancellation program and hold oral arguments in February. Uh, The White House applauded the news, repeating in a statement, Uh, The administration's view that uh, Biden's forgiveness program is legal and economically important to 40 million eligible borrowers and their families. Lower courts have put the hold on the program on hold and the Biden administration has asked the justices to either allow it to go forward while legal challenges continue or to take up the issue themselves. The White House recently extended the pause on federal loan repayment scheduled to expire at the end of the year to give the high court time uh, to act. The Biden plan would cancel up to $20,000 in federal student loan debt for more than 40 million borrower, uh, borrowers. Now, here's, here's the catch in all of this. They're saying to the students, you don't have to make a payment now until, you know, they decide whether we're going to do this or not. What they're not telling people is that the interest is not stopping. It's still adding itself on to these these uh, these loans. And so these kids are going to come back and they're going to look at their loans and they're going to they're going to own a whole lot more owe a whole lot more money than what they did before they put them on hold. Uh, from making payments. Just because they're saying you don't need to make a payment doesn't mean that interest rates are stopped. Good point, Dave. I mean, Uh, is is the administration not setting these kids up for even a a worse reality? Because I would be kind of looking at uh, all these lower courts and they're all going, uh, you don't have the right to do this, Mr. President. I think I would be paying attention to all the different people who are saying, stop. You know, like the Supremes did back in the 60s. Yeah, so it looks like what he did, so when he got shut down in the judicial branch, looks like what he did is he said, okay, well, then you don't have to make your payments yet under the debt relief program. That's correct. He's extended, he's, he's extended the, 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 the no pay until June 30 of 2023. Um and then you'll have 60 days after that to start paying your student loan back. And it's just, it's just the whole thing is not set up right. If you borrow the money, um, you need to pay it back. If, um, you know, but there's, student loans have a special status. If you declare bankruptcy, you can't have that discharged. Although some lawyers have played games with that. They've paid their student loans off with credit cards and then turn around and file bankruptcy. They, they nix that little idea, but um, um, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of uh, students out there, but I sure don't advocate transferring debt from an engineer, a doctor, a lawyer, to a, to a plumber out there paying his taxes, right? That's what essentially is going on. I, I agree, too. So let me ask Robert Steinbach this final question for you today. Is this not just uh, a pig in a poke that this administration is selling to the students? Sure. But the leftists are all about redistribution of wealth until they run out of money. Uh, we're going <laughs> to give you free money, so vote for us. That's what this is about. It's, it's, there's nothing more complicated uh, than that.
Yeah, and the bottom line is, if uh, if if you're not paying, understand that's not stopping uh, the interest rate. And I'm I'm assuming that interest rate's going to go up, just like inflation is forcing, and the changes in the Fed are changing other interest rates, like home loans. If you yeah, unless you got a, go unless up, it's so locked in, rate, yeah. Right. For variable rate loans, it will definitely go up. That's amazing to me. Yeah, you're about to get a lesson, I believe, college students of, yeah, see, here's the, here's the carrot. I'm, we're going to hold it out here and show it to you. Or if you're a horse, maybe a handful of sugar. But guess what? What Uncle Sugar can give to you, Uncle Sugar can take away. Oof. You're gonna find you're gonna you're gonna figure it out uh, the hard way. I really do believe that that's what's going to happen, guys. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate you joining me today. We covered a lot of territory. We went all over oh, the yeah. place today. We did. Oh, all right. Yeah. You all have a great weekend. I will talk to you again next week right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got just God a couple bless. of minutes here uh, for me to tell you what's coming up uh, at 9 o'clock. And we're going to have some folks here that are going to talk about uh, uh, the Nutcracker. It's going to be here in uh, Little Rock again. It's been around for years now. I mean, it's been here ever since I've I got here 20 odd years ago and it has gotten better and better and better every year Uh, there's nothing to keep me from saying that i think it's going to be even better uh this year than it's been in the past year so we'll talk to the folks about it uh here in the nine o'clock hour dave ellswick show plus i'll talk about some of the movies that are opening this weekend also remind you to be buying your tickets now uh for uh, it's a wonderful life at uh, Riverdale10.com. Um, I thought we were, looked like to me, we had about a quarter of the, the tickets already sold after only talking about the movie a couple of days thus far. So you'll want to get your tickets now so that you make sure you're sitting where you want to sit at in the theater so that, uh, you know, you can you can watch them ring the, the bell on the tree and know that uh, the angel got his wings uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, 75th anniversary for this motion picture. And a little bit of history about it. Uh, It was not received warmly when it first came out. A lot of people didn't go out and see it. Uh, It became a kind of a holiday classic um, after it was appearing on television. The copyright went out on the movie, and they could show it all the time without uh, having to pay money to show it. And people started watching it, and it became a a, a yearly kind of thing. And everybody would gather around their uh, TVs to to watch uh, this movie. Uh, during the uh, holiday season, and that's the way it, it's been been going now. Yesterday, I made a misstatement. I said that we were going to show Miracle on 34th Street a year from Christmas, and uh, that's not going to be the case. Uh, we're going to shoot to do a new movie that we haven't done before because, believe it or not, it'll be 20 years old, and that is Elf. be bringing it back to the big screen again to show to you next year that's next year this year it's a wonderful life okay 75th anniversary that's a special anniversary and then uh, the rest of the year uh, next year we'll start off with gone with the wind we do that every year but uh, from february all the way through november it will be a different spielberg movie we're going to 
tip our hat to uh, to Steven Spielberg and the great movies that he's done, one of the great directors of all times. And in February, we'll start off his uh, movies with Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I love that movie. I love that movie. Give the Nazis their due. Uh, we'll be back uh, at 9 o'clock now. Get ready to talk about your money. It's the Dave Ellswick Show right here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Here we go. Last hour of a Friday show. It's always good. Dave Ellswick with you. 101.1 FM, The Answer. We're going to talk about the, the Nutcracker that's going to be happening here in uh, in Little Rock coming up in, the was it next week, week after? It is next weekend, December next 9th weekend. through 11th. Oh, wow. And I'm hearing great things. Now, here's what excites me. It's been two years since we were all locked up. Okay. Now, Luckily, they didn't do like the Chinese and didn't come out and, and uh, you know, nail our doors shut and stuff so we couldn't get out of our houses or weld them shut. And the bottom line is, uh, but people want to get together again and they want to get back to normal again and going to see these shows. Look, a lot of Christmas is all about the, the social part of what goes on around Christmas. And you're telling me you're almost sold out tickets are moving really fast this is the largest audiences that we have ever seen in valley arkansas's 44 year history but i completely you know agree that uh, we see thousands of families every holiday season that come together to spread the magic of the nutcracker and enjoy this holiday season i mean we're absolutely seeing that everybody is so excited about you know getting back into the live performing arts as well as uh coming back to the nutcracker well, there's something, and you can talk to this, all right? There is something about people dressed up in costumes and an orchestra playing music that transforms you from being here in the now to carrying you back to the then, correct? Absolutely. I think that, you know, the emotions that... Um, we get to experience a whole breadth of um, joy and beauty and excitement and, uh, you know, with the battle scene and, you know, the blood gets pumping and then you see all of the um, divertissements in the land of the sweets. And experiencing that in a full house is even more special because the whole community, you can, you know, hear them, hear their excitement and get to experience that with other people is a special experience. Most people are introduced uh to this, the Nutcracker, through just the music itself, are they not? 
I think there's a large audience that comes to hear Tchaikovsky's score. I mean, it's iconic. It's beautiful. And I think there's a large audience that has a connection to the dance side. People that, you know, they maybe were a part of the Nutcracker when they were a child or their parents brought them to see the show um, or their grandparents took them to see the show in the past. We have a lot of families that have connections both to, you know, the music and the symphony side as well as um, as well as dance. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I love the theater, but ballet has always kind of of i've kind of, i'm not avoided it but i've been kind of a little bit away from it because i do know that the moves mean things at times and mm-hmm. things and i don't ha- i don't have that knowledge but people who don't have that knowledge still get the overall feel of what the show is about absolutely and and certainly there are certain uh, gestures that um, pantomime that mean something uh, because we don't have words to express ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story does come to life with sets and costumes um, and storytelling of seeing the family at the Christmas party uh, with the Christmas tree is very relatable to people that you know have done that in their own household. So definitely, I think that the story um, is told beautifully throughout the ballet. But also, you know, you can just come and enjoy the music and enjoy seeing. Oh wow! There's 300 costumes on stage, and they're so different and intricate, and um, so many things that can pique an interest from a a young age all the way to someone that's you know had more life experience. Yeah, now that's a good question, just for me. How many people are involved in your costume department? You know, we actually have two people, and we have more than three hundred. We have more than two hundred and twenty-five community cast performers and fifteen professional dancers. So those two individuals, they are fantastic. Uh, work with us throughout the summer to give the costumes some TLC and make sure they're in good shape. And then we start doing costume fittings in September with the cast, and they work all the way through the fall to prepare those productions to make sure they fit properly, to make sure they sparkle when they're on stage. Oh my god! Um, and they will be with us of course backstage to help with quick changes um, but it's really a large production backstage as much as it is um, a large audience yeah you were talking to me during the before we got on the air about how much is going on behind the scenes not just on the stage absolutely i would say maybe even more going on behind the scenes than than what you see on stage even though we'll have 50 performers on stage at one time um we have a large stage crew that are helping us to move our drops and make it snow uh, during this infamous snow scene um we have our you know volunteers that are assisting getting our community cast performers to and from the stage uh, we have over 100 volunteers that help us over the course of the week uh, just to get that show on the road so you know our team is fairly small We're we're a nonprofit organization that is a 15-member professional company and three staff members. But we facilitate facilitate this production with the help of a lot of contractors. Um, and we employ a lot of people uh, in the state of Arkansas, lighting designers and um, stage managers and a lot of people that come in and, and work with us to make it happen. This is amazing. I love talking about uh, the behind the scenes. But let, let's get back out on the stage because sure. that's what the people who are listening are going to be uh, interested in just know a lot of work goes into this to make it happen out mm-hmm. in front of you it's a full year pre- uh, preparation yes to make it happen i mean you're talking about those how many costumes do you have would you think i would say i believe it's it's over 250 costumes mm-hmm. just so, for the nutcracker specifically um, yeah. because we have multiple casts so we may have 
you know, 40 costumes of mice, even though you see 12 mice on stage or 16 mice on stage. Well, you know, when it comes to mice, if you see one, there's a bunch of them. <laughs> That's true. There may be more hiding in the wings. That's <laughs> <laughs> behind that you don't see at all. You hear them at times, but you don't see them. So, you know, the kids that take part in this, this is like a, a lifetime experience, is it not? It is. You, I mean, you kind of mentioned that. There's people that have been involved with this for years and years. Yes, we start our community cast eight, that started age six all the way through um, 18 for, of course, our ch- child performers. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them will be, have performed with us every year since they were six. And they have wow. performed almost every role that is available for the community cast. And you see many of them then go into a professional company. We have a male dancer now that grew up. And when, we, when I joined Bally, Arkansas as a director, he was a... Um, I think he was a a party boy or um, the prince, and now he's in our company, and he's grown up through the roles. And other dancers come for a year, they experience it, and then they move on to other activities that they love, but it stays with them throughout their life. And, And I think that then when they go to see other productions, they can enjoy seeing something different and, and having those memories to rely upon. Okay, now I'm going, to bring, I'm going to bring in a part of this conversation that I think is very cool. We're not just talking about our Kansans here. We're talking about a lot of different people. Do you, do, over the 40 years that you've been doing this, do you think that you've touched on every state in the union of somebody coming to perform with your group because you guys do such a great job at this? I would imagine that it would be pretty close. Um, You know, Bally, Arkansas over the years has been a school only. It's been a professional company only. It's been a combination of of the two. So that to say, in the past, we've toured, um, we brought in Mikhail Brishnikov. We've brought in uh, Houston Ballet in in the 80s. Um, And now, as a company, we have um, two Arkansans of our 15 dancers and the remaining dancers have come from all across the states uh, to be a part of uh, the company and of course to make Little Rock their home and you know of course that company turns over every few years Mm -hmm. so over time there's been so many people that have come uh, to Little Rock and to Arkansas and to contribute to our community. Would, Would people in Arkansas be surprised at how well you all are received all across the United States. Absolutely. Ballet Arkansas is among the top 100 ballet companies in America, and we were recently one of 24 companies that was uh, broadcast across World Ballet Day. Wow. Um, And and that is just an incredible honor. Um, But Arkansas and Little Rock have an incredible professional ballet company here, Um, and we're so fortunate to be able to, you know, tour across the state to provide access to the arts, um, and dance education, and um, yeah, I think we're it's it's a really special opportunity. Why is that? What what was the special magic here in Arkansas? Oh, that's there's so much special magic. Um, let's see, you know, Lorraine Cranford was our founder um, with Donald C. Cater Cranford uh, back in the day, uh, 1978, and they had a vision and a mission to make. Uh, Ballet Arkansas, the region's preeminent dance organization. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years, their, um, the mission of Ballet Arkansas has been something that every director has come in and really made sure that that was the focus, that we did everything we possibly could to make sure that the quality of the dancers, the quality of the production, that we were getting into the schools, that we were you know, taking performances and making it accessible that we were focusing on education and and I think that 
in the last few years, uh, we've just been able to attract a very strong talent pool, um, and people have started to recognize Valley Arkansas on the national scale, which is a, you know bringing more attention to us for what we're doing here. And as a, s- a smaller organization, oftentimes we can we're more flexible. We we can be creative, and we can be we can do new and different types of programming. So we've been recognized for some of the technological programming that we do, like Dracula in the fall, where we have cool. multimedia projections <laughs> on the backdrop, and it's very a very different experience than something like the Nutcracker. Um, of course, Nutcracker is going to be a yearly staple for us, mm-hmm. but we do so much more than the Nutcracker. We have uh, modern-only contemporary programs where we have, uh, last year, four female choreographers that came in and stage work to Vivaldi's Four Seasons, and we had the symphony, and it was just a very different, you know, exploring what dance can be. And those that balance across the season is something that um, really provides people with an opportunity to say, hey, I'm not sure about this program, but I like that one. Let me try it. And, and we hope that people will come and try something different and see what, what they think, because it's really, you know, a human ex- a connection that we have just as, you know, people in terms of feeling the emotions that we see on stage all right it's all going to happen next weekend we'll come back uh, after this break and tell you exactly what days what times and uh, how to get your tickets and buy them today or tomorrow at the latest because they're going very very fast hey don't forget about hillcrest designer jewelry my good friend eric coleman uh will take good care of you depend does you know does doesn't depend on on what you want because he can give it all to you. He's got cases full of uh, quality jewelers and uh, the work that they've done. And he's got diamonds and emeralds and rubies and all the rest uh, available to you. Uh, he'll make sure that you know that you're buying uh, real precious stones, real diamonds, not ones that were made over in China, and when I say made, not the godly way, where pressure over hundreds of years has formed uh, a, a diamond, but they make them fake, all right, and they're not going to get up in price as you own them. They'll, in fact, go down in price, and you don't want that to to happen. So Eric will help you out with that. He'll show you how that's done. He'll show you how to tell the difference because he can do it. He's very good at that. He's a gemologist, and uh, he's located at 3000 Cavanaugh in Suite E, and he's open Monday through Saturday, uh, 10 to 6. Now, I always talk about how good he's at uh, at making unique creations. He's doing a couple of things for me this uh, holiday season. I, my wife, she doesn't listen to the show. Uh, she doesn't know that this year she's going to get uh, a Star of David with a cross in the middle of it, and the cross has rubies on it on the horizontal bar on each side and then on the vertical bar at the very bottom and uh, it it brings christendom and 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 the jewish religion all together uh for you because you know jesus was a jew you got to remember that and the bottom line is is that it's gorgeous Uh, it's uh, all done in silver and it looks like it's wood and i'm really uh, excited about being able to give it uh, to my bride of 35 years and uh, for for christmas coming up so you go see eric go talk to him he's a good friend of mine he'll do he'll do good for you 40 years of experience been in the business for over a a decade at hillcrest designer jewelry again 3000 cavanaugh suite e monday through saturday 10 to 6 right here in little rock catherine fothergill right 
That's correct. Uh, right, okay. Is with us. We're talking about ballet here in uh, Little Rock. And I know there's a lot of you listening and saying, Ellswick is talking about ballet. Yes, I am. I am talking about ballet. I'm talking about tights. I'm talking about those shoes that you can get up on your toes with. What's that? What's that? Point shoes. Point shoes. All right. I don't know how they do it. It, it. it amazes me that they can do some of the moves that they do. It takes years of dedication. You know, Barishnikov. I got to see him perform. Oh, that's incredible. he was an amazing guy. He's a nice guy too. I got to talk to him about it, and. Uh, he could have played. Ba- he's not a a big man. He's he's typical dancer. Uh, I call that lithe. I guess is kind of what they are. But they can get some. They can jump high. They can get some height for sure. And a lot of power and then that white men don't jump. Don't don't play with him. I'm just telling you that. So he can. Fl- the guy can fly. He really can. How difficult it is it for the the the, the male uh, performers. Uh, catching the female performers that there's a lot of trust that's got to be there there is and they build relationships and partnerships where you know once they've worked together um you know it's something that i think they don't have to worry about after they've just kind of worked through the logistics after you dropped them a couple of times <laughs> yeah no, that I'm was that was my uh, my dad's one one rule was yep you can't drop Catherine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, absolutely well, but you're, no, it, you're small boned you break bones if they drop you so be great. they, you know, similar to dancers that take ballet class or females that have to learn, you know, how to work in their point shoes, men take partnering classes. And, you know, if you start young, then hopefully that builds over the years. Um, but we have uh, six men in the company and uh, 10 women. So they really get to, uh, we have some very strong, strong male partners. All right. So I'm going to ask a question that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to probably some people. But if you think about it, it make all the sense in the world. These people are, are athletes, are they not? They are absolutely athletes. We are dancing every day from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Oh, my Lord. So they are, you know, that is their full-time job. They are salaried employees. And then uh, on production weeks, uh, we are in the theater starting on Monday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Um, And, you know, it takes a toll on the body, absolutely, if they're performing three and four roles in a day and performing multiple shows in a day. So they are physical athletes. They train at the gym. The men in particular do weight training a lot of cross training uh, to keep their bodies in the best condition and to be at optimal performance, um, but they need some some rest and relaxation as well. All right, so I'm going to assume if I look at professional sports, these folks have trainers, mm-hmm. they have dietitians, Correct. make sure that they're they're eating right so they stay healthy, and then you've got uh, orthopedists that are ready to help repair things that break down your right. body's going to break down if you keep doing this absolutely stuff. we have a full team of healthcare professionals that work with our dancers we're really fortunate uh, to have a fantastic you know it comes chiropractors and acupuncturists and physical therapists and um, massage therapists that all some of them come to the studio and work with the dancers every week um, so uh, that's called our ballet arkansas care team and we could not that's be more very grateful. cool i mean i don't think people realize how how physical 
dance really is. It was just ranked as one of the most physically demanding jobs. I can't remember what the source was, um, but it's definitely, you know, in terms of stamina and muscle strength um, and, you know, needing to be mobile and be able to be flexible, it's, it's definitely a, something they have to train for and, and practice. Well, I got a bunch of questions about all of that, but we don't have time for <laughs> me to get into it with you. Let's talk about getting tickets for this performance. Tickets are going to be tough to get towards the end here, but you can still get them, and how do they go about getting them? So the best place to go, balletarkansas.org uh, is our website, and if you go to the performances and events page, all the information for the Nutcracker Spectacular will be there, uh, but you can also contact Robinson Center Box Office. Uh, it's located inside the Robinson Performance Hall, so you can just go drop by between 9 and 4 uh, and purchase your tickets there, or per- you know, look them up online and uh, call them by phone. So a lot of different options for people to get tickets. Um, if you're, you know, going online, it's going to be through Ticketmaster, and you can see our four public performances next Friday, the 9th at 7:30. Uh, Saturday we have a 2:30 and a 7:30 performance, and on Sunday we have a 2:30 matinee. Now those matinees are the ones that are moving the fastest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely, if you want to go in the, the early afternoon, get on today. Um, and in terms of the evenings, those are still moving quick but we've got a few extra seats there. Now, now guys, listen to me. You want to really impress her is uh, get the tickets to evening performance. Two hours long, is that right? Yes. So it, it starts is. at what time? It starts at 7.30. Okay, be done by 10 o'clock easy. All right. And then have a late dinner. And there's a couple of restaurants that are right downtown that yeah. are to die for to go to. Do that and tell her that's her Christmas present. She'll like it. That would be a perfect gift for yeah, Christmas. Yeah, I like that. Catherine, we're out of time. I told you this goes fast. It does. It? <laughs> this was fantastic. Thank you so fast. much for having me. I'm, next time, I'm going to have you on here for a whole hour so I can talk to you for the hour. For the simple reason, as you can tell, my mind whirls and I start thinking about all the different things that go on behind something like this, and I'd like to talk about that with you. That would be fantastic. Maybe we can get you on before next weekend. We'll see. Yeah. You're busy. You're busy, but we'll try. We can, we can, we can make it work. Okay, <laughs> we'll make it work. All right, we appreciate you being with us. We've got to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. I will bring you up to date on the local news, or somebody will. I won't do it, but somebody will. And then I'll be back, and I'm going to be talking, of course, uh, about DeSantis, and then we'll talk about the football playoffs next year because they're going to be bigger and better than ever. Dave Ellswick show. That was a great interview, wasn't it? Catherine did such a good job. And uh, look, guys, I understand. I say ballet, and you're going not interested. You go see the ballet for something like this. Number one, you're going to score points with if you got a little girl or something like that, or you got a you got a a, a wife uh, that likes you know stage and thinks she's going to. You know, she'll be all, all into what you're doing. It's a, it's a big thing, uh, uh, as far as that's concerned. And you got to go see, uh, you know, Nutcracker. Nutcracker is unique uh, in what they, what they do on stage and what they perform on stage. I mean, there's certain like there's certain musicals that I think are are amazing to go see. Man of La Mancha, which is one of my favorite. Uh, type of, of musicals and what I like about La Mancha is that is the, 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 the artists that put together the sets 
and they can do real elaborate stuff, and then they can do minimalist kind of things, and and it's really good. I mean, doing the windmills and stuff. My all-time favorite musical is, uh, you know, uh, Cabaret. I mean, I love Cabaret. I just it's a, it's dark. I know it's a dark musical, but it deals with history as well. You got to know a little history about when the time is and and what's going on. It's 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 an interesting uh, musical to to say the least. I I wish I'd had the time to go see man uh, go see um, Fiddler on the Roof because just the music out of that's great. Sunrise, sunset, and all the rest of it tradition if i were a rich man all of that kind of stuff it's just great stuff i was talking to Catherine about that i was i was lucky my one of my aunts uh did the costumes for the metropolitan opera in new york city and i i was never told as a young man and my dad was a big sports buff i was a big sports buff i played baseball i I played other sports too but baseball was my game i was never told that i shouldn't sing in the choir or i shouldn't do this or i shouldn't do that and it made me a better person for it it really did it made me a better person uh for that and uh I'm happy that I, I was a thespian. I wrote for the school newspaper. I took photos for the yearbook. I sang in the in the concert choir. <laughs> I mean, and then I played baseball, basketball, and football. I mean, I just I did I like doing it all. Why not? That's what it's there for to do it. All right, let's talk a little politics. What a big surprise on the Dave Ellswick show. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said during a uh, press conference that Republicans underperformed in the uh, 2022 midterms because they did not focus on delivering for voters. Now, what did he mean about that? And it's it's important that we listen to DeSantis because he, uh, you know, we were squeaking out races left and right all over the United States. But in Florida, DeSantis and and uh, uh Republicans running in Florida were blowing it out. DeSantis won by 20 points. All right. And then, you you know, you, you had your senator who won by 30 points. It's amazing what happened. Here's what he said. He says, you know, we assumed we were going to end up with like 245 House members. We're at 222, it looks like, which is a huge underperformance. And yet, Some of those voters throughout the country, not in Florida, but throughout the country, even though they disapproved of Biden, even though they disapproved of the direction of the country, they still didn't vote for some of our candidates. The governor explained that Republicans did not underperform because the party was divided. He said that Republicans nationwide did not use the same model that Republicans in the state of Florida used, and I'll say as the Republicans in Arkansas used, which was focusing on exercising leadership, not bending the knee in politically uncomfortable fights, and taking big challenges and focusing on producing results, which ends up attracting more people to want to be on your team. And so that was not something that was happening throughout the rest of the, the country. And uh, he continued talking and, and, and was talking about this. And he went on to say, we are not seeing really good performance from a lot of those Republicans. 
They're like, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to win the Senate. The House is going to be very close. You know, we assumed we were going to end up with like 245 in the House. We're at 222. And that is a huge underperformance. So, you know, the question is, you know, why did that happen? And he says, because the way these midterms work, someone gets elected to the White House and then there is a reaction the other way. That's what happens almost every two years, and especially when people are pessimistic about the direction of the country, have a negative view on Biden. Usually those voters are going to want to vote for people that are offering an alternative. And yet some of these voters, or those voters throughout the country, not in Florida, but throughout the country, even though they disapproved of Biden, even though they disapproved of the direction of the country, they still didn't want to vote, you know, for some of our candidates. So I don't think it's a question of necessarily being divided as a party. I think it's like, okay, how do you run and win majorities? And I think what we've done in Florida is we've shown that we've exercised leadership. We're not kowtowing, for instance, to Disney. Uh, We've been willing to take on big interests like Disney, producing results, and that ends up attracting more people to want to be on your team. And so that was not something that was happening throughout the rest of the country. But I think that we really showed, I think, how it's done. And if you look about how we perform, no governor Republican has ever gotten a higher percentage of the vote in Florida history than we got in 2022. I mean, they did what we've done here in uh, our Arkansas. Uh, we not only, I mean, uh, Sanders got 30% of the vote, all right? DeSantis got 20% of the vote. Uh, we got all of our uh, constitutional offices. Uh, this happened four years ago. Uh, in fact, before that, it was uh, eight years ago it happened back in 2010, uh, you got all your constitutional offices uh, being uh, Republican, uh, all the way down uh, the ticket, you know, lieutenant governor, AG. Uh, you had uh, treasurer, auditor, uh, secretary of state, and the rest. Uh, all uh, are Republicans. And then we've built on our majorities in both the House and in the Senate. And now Florida is doing the exact same thing. I think if you can do it in both of those uh, states, you can do it in every state. But you've got to understand that, you know, we became a much bigger party, a bigger tent for uh, for Republicans, which is good. I like it. I like that we've got a lot of women now in the party that are holding positions in the party. Women, believe it or not, women and men don't necessarily agree on all issues, but they're able to hammer out something that everybody can live with, and that's important. I just think if we can do that uh, more coming up in 2024, we can not only get the Senate back, because uh, the senators, uh, the Democrats are going to have more uh, coming up in, the, in two years that they're going to have to defend and get reelected than we will. We have the chance of taking the, uh, um, the Senate back again. 
uh, and we'll have the chance to take the uh, White House back and hold on to the House and uh, get an opportunity uh, to turn this country in the right direction that it should go. So good to listen to uh, uh, Governor DeSantis. I saw 70, uh, just about 71% of uh, uh, registered uh, and polled Republicans see DeSantis now as the leader of the party and not Donald Trump. So nothing against uh, Mr. Trump, but, you know, you got to you got to strike when the uh, the iron's hot. And I hope that Ron DeSantis will strike and look to run for president of the United States. All right. We got to get a break in. Let's do that. And then when I come back, I was excited yesterday. Big news coming out. College football playoffs have officially announced the expansion in 2024 to 12 teams. So we'll talk about that. What does that mean? Why were somebody, uh, some people against it? Why were other people uh, for it? Uh, don't forget about East End Towing, what they can do for you. Uh, if you're caught out, there's nothing worse than to be traveling somewhere, going somewhere, and your car breaks down. I know that just drives me that drives me crazy. It's why I do so much preventive maintenance on my car with Joe or Joe's Garage. Uh, I mean, I made a, an appointment with him when he was here yesterday to get over there on Tuesday and get my uh, my oil changed. And um, I heard a noise, and I'm going to have him check that out uh, on Tuesday as well. I, I'm just very preventive on, on that so that I don't end up on the side of the road. There's nothing worse being stuck out on the side of the road when it's cold or when it's hot. I don't know which is worse. I just know both of them are bad. And East End Towing, no matter what the situation that puts you on the shoulder, they'll help you get off the shoulder and get your car to where you want it to be taken care of uh, and uh, you know, get you, hopefully, uh, back to your home and things of that nature. What you need to do is just put this number in your phone. And that's for East End Towing. 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. That's the people to call when you're stuck on the side of the road. All right, let's finish it up uh, for today and for this week, and then we'll get back together on uh, Monday. Minus... My producer, Heidi, who is moving on to a new uh, uh, new job uh, starting next week. And uh, I want to wish her the best of uh, things to come uh, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't hold it against anybody. If they find a better gig that they want to go to, I want them to go to it. I want them to have the best life that they can have uh, in the, the short time that you have on this earth. So I, I hope it turns out to be as great as you hope it to be. I really, really do. All right, with that with that said, uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming up here in the very near future uh, that we, I think we want to talk about because right now the football playoffs is only four teams, and there's several teams that really um, could be in the playoffs right now and make the playoffs be even that more much more exciting. So throughout the college football season, there's been accelerated talk about expanding the current four-team playoff structure 
as early as September, the college football playoff committee announced that the playoff structure was going to expand to 12 teams eventually. I heard that. I was excited about it. I hope you were excited about it uh, as well. I I wish there was a way of getting uh, collegiate football into a playoff like they do in collegiate basketball. I know there's it's it would be very, very difficult to do that. But the more teams that are in a playoff, the better it is. There's just no doubt about it. But uh, the question was how soon? How accelerated could you do this? The committee initially hoped for a goal of 2026, uh, but wanted to move to the new uh, format earlier if they could get away with it. And now it's official. It was announced yesterday. The uh, College Football Playoff Committee announced a move up to 12 teams for the playoff structure, starting with the 2024-2025 uh, season new format adds a quarterfinal layer to the playoff picture. The top four teams will receive uh, buys in the quarterfinal round, while the teams in uh, seats five through twelve will battle it out for a spot in the semifinals. At least in the first two years, uh, the quarterfinal and semifinal games will rotate among existing bowl games. The 2024-25 championship game will take place in Atlanta, while Miami will host the 2025-2026 championship. The first round of the playoffs in 2024, featuring matchups between all but the top four seeds, that's number 12 through number 5, uh, it will be this way. Number 12 will take on number 5. Number 11 takes on number 6. Number 10 at number 7. Number 9 at number 8. And that will take place the week ending Saturday, December 21st, with games at either the home field of the higher-seeded team or at another site designated by the higher-seeded team. While some WAGs have mused that the acceleration of the expanded playoff timeline has something to do with the absence of perennial media favorites Alabama and Ohio State among this year's top four, uh, and there's people who say, well, I won't argue with that. No, I will. The The catalyst for this week's announcement is the Rose Bowl finally relenting and going along, and I agree with that. I think it, the Rose Bowls held this up because the Rose Bowl wanted to be the shining bowl out there. And it, it still is. And it will still hold that as well. A source told ESPN's Heather Dench earlier this week that the Rose Bowl was essentially given an ultimatum to agree to terms or risk being shut out of the next television contract, which begins in 2026. Now we're talking money, and that's really what this is all about. You expand the teams, you make more money. And that's it. It's not about Alabama and Ohio State. It's about money. The Rose Bowl request for special treatment included an exclusive window for the game, a television window considered one of the most valuable in sports in years when the Rose Bowl wasn't hosting a college football playoff game on New Year's Day. Essentially, sources told ESPN that CFP officials told Rose Bowl officials this week that they'd make 
uh, good faith efforts to work with them. But if the Rose Bowl wanted to take part in the next version of the CFP, it needed to accept a role that didn't include significant special favors. The next question was how soon the committee initially hoped for a goal of 2026, but wanted to move to the new format earlier if they could get away with it. And now it's official that they're going to go to the 12 teams. And we're delighted to be moving forward, said College Football Playoff Executive Director Bill Hancock. When the board expanded the playoffs beginning in 2026 and asked the CFP Management Committee to examine uh, a time frame, well, they figured it out. They figured it out. Uh, Mark Keenum, president of the Mississippi State University and chairman of the CFP, uh, P. Board of Managers said, quote, I'm glad we're able to follow through and launch the expanded playoff earlier than normal. It's very exciting for the schools, alumni, and everyone included. So it's going to be exciting. More more teams means uh, more excitement. I remember when they started, they changed uh, the playoff sets, you know, set up in uh, in Major League Baseball, that's changing again. They're putting more teams in because the more teams that have a chance to uh, win it all, the more fans that are involved in wanting to watch the possibilities. I, I've really, if it's decided on the field, I have no problem. Just as long as they keep it on the field where they decide. Uh, who's going to be the national uh, champion. All right, so I'm excited uh, about that. All right, with that said, time for me to tell you I have to say goodbye for this week. I enjoy being here every day and talking to you about all of the big stories that are going on and about some different things that are happening. Uh, two movies that are showing over the weekend that you might want to think about going if uh, blood and guts and <laughs> And craziness is uh, your forte and dark comedy, and, and if it's rated R, uh, Violent Night is a, is a fun movie. It really is. But let me warn you, it's not for kids. It's not for young kids, not even for middle school kids. This is a definite hard R because of its violence. It's just hard R. And uh, it's a great movie. It's about what would happen if uh, terrorists took over a household and Santa Claus showed up to deliver the presents. How would he get involved? That's what it's about. And it's it's hilarious in parts. It's very, very funny. Another movie that's out now, I Heard the Bells. Uh, a lot of people went to it last night up in Cabot. Said it's fantastic. It's about uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the poet, and uh, how his wife passed away. He... Uh, he started writing poetry again after a couple of years after she died. One of the things that he uh, he wrote about is he heard some bells ringing, and it touched something in his soul, and he, he wrote that poem, and it turned into one of the great Christmas carols of all time. I'm going to go see it probably uh, Sunday afternoon myself. With that said, i got to get out of here. Thanks for being with us. We appreciate you being here. Go see a movie this weekend. Uh, the next weekend, you got the tree, you got the nutcracker, you got all kinds of stuff coming up. And RSO is going to have their Christmas show coming up as well. Until then, have a good one. I'll talk to you on Monday.